however long anybody's been listening to this program, you wouldn't be able to count on one hand the number of times I talked about the same subject on consecutive days. I feel this one's worth it. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. I spent the day with the hockey team up in Cranberry yesterday. And like everyone else who follows the Penguins, I'm sure that Chris Letang's dominant historic performance in Elmont, New York, the previous night was very much on the mind. And as I'm waiting in the locker room and talking to others in there uh, on, on a bunch of subjects, but mostly about Letang, a couple of things occurred to me. One is that I don't know that enough people are appreciating around the hockey world. I think it's becoming appreciated more and more in Pittsburgh. How strong Latang's defensive game has been this season. In particular, his penalty killing. He's become a beast back there, not just in terms of defending the front of the net, not just in terms of blocking and swiping away shots, not just in terms of proper positioning and leadership, but really, you know the one that gets me, the thing that gets me about his game this year? He is just a monster when it comes to clears. Plain old clears. And yeah, clears can be kind of a luck thing. You know, the puck just ends up kind of ricocheting to you and you're the guy who sweeps it out of the zone. And then, of course, you're the person whose name gets called by the play-by-play person. So everyone who's watching on TV or listening on radio thinks, wow, that's a great play by fill in the blank. When in fact, that guy might have been terrible in the whole PK. But when you're that guy again and again and again and again, and it's forehand, backhand, and from behind the net and banked off the glass and whatever, then you're really doing something right. And you're the focal point of that PK, which leads me into this conversation that I was having with Marcus Pedersen yesterday, of course, Latang's partner. Here's a little bit of that. Uh, you know the, the role that he's embraced this year shows a lot about his character too. So um, it's been great playing with him, and um, you know we've been on the PK a lot this year all year. So the transition to playing five on five is kind of kind of easy. We try to be aggressive out there and, and use our skating, use our sticks. So um, I think he's playing at a very very high level both on both sides of the rink. Something where you could start talking about, you could start at least talking about an Orange Trophy candidacy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't think that's going over. No, exactly, and uh, I think sometimes uh, the Norris always always look at the guy that scored the most points, and obviously, like this the, guy. The, this guy, <laughs> the, the the season he had last year, it's, an, it's a clear, a clear and obvious uh, Norris. But the uh, he scored a lot of points this year, Tanger, but he's he's been so good defensively. I don't I don't think a lot of people realize that how on the kill he's he's, he's looked great. So now I'll get back to the Norris Trophy stuff that I brought up with Marcus you just heard there but if you go back to the beginning of what he said about the character that Latang has shown first in just embracing with open arms the arrival of the last Norris Trophy winner Eric Carlson 
embracing every role he's been assigned, even when it could have looked, you know, at least a little bit embarrassing, like being on the second power play, which he still is, like being paired originally with the lesser defenseman between Patterson and Ryan Graves, which he no longer is. Like being told, hey, you're going to be the PK guy and Carlson's going to be the power play guy when in fact you've got a zillion points in this uniform. And he just took it and ran with it. He realized, and he and I talked about this going way back to the first day of training camp, that the best chance for the Pittsburgh Penguins to win a fourth Stanley Cup while he's here is for him to be the defensive standout, is for him to be the defensive guy. And he's been that, including, as he'd bring up with me himself yesterday, the one who gets the tougher matchups. Here's a little bit of our conversation. You've had uh, over the years, your game has always been founded on defense first. Is that more true this season than ever, even though you're still getting your points? Um, I mean, it's always been like that. I mean, I think for everybody it is. Um, is it more this year? Maybe because I have a more... Um, I have a world that's more based on, on defense this year more than other years. Maybe that's why we see it like that. Because of PK mostly? Well, PK, uh, you know, the, to, to face like their, their top line every night, right, right, stuff right. like that. So maybe that's why we see it like that. The Norris Trophy is an award that for the most part has lost its way. It started doing that way back in the 80s. The last true defensive defenseman to win it. I mean, I guess you could point to Chris Pronger and some others over the years. But for the most part, the last guy who just didn't put up any points but would never, ever let you have any either was Rod Langway of the Capitals. Talk about going way, way back and had the awesome nickname, incidentally, Minister of Defense playing in Washington. Get it? What you have now is pretty much a points race. And I say that in reiterating that Carlson was last year's Norris winner and he wasn't the best defensive defenseman in hockey. He might not have been the best defenseman in hockey, but he had 101 points for a last place team. And everyone seemed to recognize and respect that, wow, that's just a remarkable feat. And he gets the Norris. This year's Norris race is going to be no different. It's going to be all about Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, and you're going to have a couple other guys come up because of their offensive contributions to really good teams. Like, for example, Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg is someone who doesn't get a whole lot of attention around hockey, but the Jets are legitimately one of the best teams in their conference, which is a surprise, I think, to a lot of people, myself included. But Morrissey's been a massive part of that. Well, that's the kind of way that you'd have to be looking at Latang. You'd have to look at, well, two things. One is value to his team. Even though that's not part of the award inscription, I know, you'd have to at least be considering that in order to have Latang in the conversation. So the Penguins have to become a more consistently sound defensive team. And of course, they have to get into the playoffs and 
if he's on a roster where he's with last year's Norris Trophy winner and he outperforms Carlson in general as he has to date, then you, you know, you can throw that into the mix as well. And the other thing that would have to play out in Latang's favor, and please take this seriously because it's a real thing. When it comes to Norris Trophy voting, there's almost this football-style stand-in-line approach, wait-your-turn approach to the voting. So whenever the next Drew Doughty comes along, then it's Doughty's turn to be the Norris winner. When it's Victor Hedman's time, then he steps up. Now, occasionally, you're going to have some great exceptions. Adam Fox was one. McCarr is another coming along and impressing the way he did at such a young age. Look, I'm not making predictions here, okay? I know that this is a close to impossible conversation to have, if only because when you open up the list to see the NHL's top scoring defenseman, even after six assists, Latang isn't up there. And as a result, most voters won't even know that he, he should be in the running. But it's still a hell of a compliment to what he's done so far this season, including before the season, that he could even be mentioned by just one person anywhere, meaning me, as having a chance. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Rich, who says, DK, one thing I was encouraged about the game on Long Island was Valtteri Pustinen's play overall, but especially his bomb from the top of the left circle. It feels like he's just scratching the surface on being a productive top nine guy. Now, with that said, is that shot from that area exactly what this power play has been lacking? Hopefully they'll use him more and not push him back down the line. Well, Rich, guess what? (laughs) I'm glad you brought this up. Because at practice yesterday, and actually for one-man advantage the other night against the Islanders as well, he was, in fact, dropped down. He is with the second power play unit. This is only the single most predictable thing that's ever occurred in the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is what Mike Sullivan does. At the very first opportunity, he will bump the young player. And he will do so without the tiniest bit of regret or remorse it's just how it goes now now being fair here ricard raquel since coming back uh, he had the his first game was a struggle but since then he's been very good and he scored some goals and he's looking like the confident productive member that he was of power play one late last season when he ended up having the team lead in power play goals with 10 for the year. So this isn't like Pustin would be getting bumped for some nobody or just because Raquel's older, but it's still for me just watching the drills. And that's the only team drills that they did yesterday, by the way, it it was like, really seriously, but there he was. So you can take that however you want. Pustin was still part of the second unit. And more to the point of what you brought up, he is really, really, really good at shooting the puck from right there. 
Now, I brought this subject up just for fun with Eric Carlson because, you know, Carlson scored from everywhere over the course of his magnificent career. And Carlson said that it's actually easier for a shooter to shoot low from that side if they're good at it, if they know what they're doing. He actually got up from his stall and showed me what he meant, meaning that if he if he releases or he starts his motion a little too soon, he's going to end up sailing the thing. Pustin doesn't do that. Pustin has a method where he just finds a way to get into the top of the puck and make sure that he's hitting it down along the ice, which, of course, serves not one but two purposes because you're going to have a rebound if you put the thing on net. So what Carlson's saying there is he's good at it, and that's the way he should be shooting it if he's good at it. And the other thing he's saying is, well, people who aren't good at it probably shouldn't be in that position. And he didn't even come close to suggesting what I'm about to say, but the Penguins haven't had that. They don't have that guy. You know, I I don't think Raquel is that guy. I haven't seen some great one-timer from him, and I definitely haven't seen it be low on any consistent basis. I also haven't seen Raquel do some of the other things that I've really liked about Pustinen's game on the top power play. But you know what? That stuff doesn't matter. That stuff doesn't matter. Expect to hear about this subject again. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. The next one will come your way Tuesday after New Year's Day. And Happy New Year!